Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, the Tampa Bay Lightning straighten themselves out a little bit in Montreal. Looks like they're headed to a 5-2 to win. Just got an empty netter. Um, and as we're doing this podcast... So, Steve, I wanted to ask you uh, about the goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they got two guys. I'll be honest with you. Ha- ha- have they got a clear of the two? They both played pretty well. They have. Jonas Johansson is the number two. He's the guy, yeah. right? Okay. Matt Tompkins will go to Syracuse once Andre Vasilevsky comes back. Hopefully in about three weeks, according to John Cooper the other day. Uh, okay. Said if, it was, if he wasn't back by December 1st, he'd be disappointed. So, he's thinking... You know, between that Thanksgiving and December first, so three weeks yeah. from now, uh, Jonas Johansson, who's taken most of the starts, what Tompkins got his third start tonight, uh, right. going to get his first career win uh, in the oh, NHL. Oh, that's his so, first win. Okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah he was zero two. Uh, not necessarily his fault on those two losses. Played pretty well, you know. He played very well. Yeah. Uh, Lightning got off to another towards. It's a third straight game they've chased the goalie. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that. It, it it seems to me at least, I mean, you know, offensively, of course, they've given away some games late and lost in overtime, but it seems to me offensively that like this team is starting to hit its stride. I mean, they're coming out and jumping on teams, which well, is always a good sign. Nikita Kucherov is on fire right now. Oh, he's unbelievable. And yeah. and he's looking to score, which is unusual for him, and I think that's thrown some teams off too. Um, I mean, he's still passing, you know, like he always does, but he's actually shooting the puck a lot more, which is only going to open things up for everybody else as well. Right. Um, He's what I think he's leading the league in scoring now after. Or, you know, there's live stats going on, so it's possible he's not, but he's right up there among the league leaders. Right. Always a great assist guy. But when he shoots, I'm sure Phil Esposito is happy right about now. Absolutely. Uh, Shoot the puck, as he says all the time. So, yeah, you know, hey, uh, in a weird way, you know, th- this team has a lot of new faces. They're still trying to, mm-hmm. you know, gel together a little bit. Defensively is always going to be sort of a question mark till they get Andre back. We'll see how good he is if he's the, um, you know, the big cat we're used to. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, listen, man, they've, when, you, when you can put those kind of players out there on offense every night and then get contributions from the guys they're getting – there's still going to be a tough out, especially if they have the greatest goaltender in the world coming back. So, um, well, good here, signs. Here's the thing. This road trip, while successful, five mm-hmm. points out of four games. That's you, yeah. you. Kind of the benchmark for road trips is if you can get one more point than games played. Than games. Mm-hmm. Then that's a successful road trip. Yep. So they got, but, but they could have had eight out of, out of four it's games. True. I mean, they've had, they had leads in all four third periods. That's right. And they only get two wins and an overtime loss out of it. Yeah. Uh, so th- they left some points out there, but mm-hmm. Detroit lost on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So the Lightning, through thirteen games without Andre Vasilevsky, are in second place in the division. I mean, what they could have been there with Andre Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. second place in the division. Yeah. I mean, that is not a precipitous fall. And I think for this team that is in it for the long haul, um, it, it's it's really not about the regular season other than qualifying for the postseason. And mm-hmm. that's, 
that's when they make you know make their run. But um, they've done remarkably well because it just seems it seems so daunting, you know, when when all this happened at the start of the season to be to be not not expecting Vasilevsky to be out and then to come out here, and you know, here we are as we do this. It was November eighth today, I guess, to to uh, you know to be in second place. I mean, that's who would not have signed up for that as they're getting better, as they're starting to hit their stride offensively. Um, this is a pretty impressive start. I mean, and that's the, listen, that's what the Tampa Bay lightning is. They're full of winners and they just know how to get it done. So uh good start for the lightning. We'll be, uh, I'll be at the uh, bucks today as they begin preparations for what is now quite frankly, they can't lose any games against teams. Um, that they should beat or have a chance to beat. And that would include the Tennessee Titans. I mean, the math just isn't going to work. So the Titans announced that they're going to be going with uh, their quarterback, rookie quarterback, Will Levis. Not a surprise necessarily, but another rookie quarterback, another hot uh, deep ball thrower that not unlike C.J. Stroud that they faced just a week ago. Tennessee has not won a game on the road yet, um, but then they've played pretty good teams on the road, teams with winning records. So, this will be the worst team they've played yet on the road. So another tough assignment for their defense, which has to really come together in a short time. Um, that has been the surprise of the, the the four-game losing streak, I think, for as much as you know, you knew what the struggles were on offense and scoring points. The defense, until this last game, held teams down to a few points, but then really every passing statistic has gone awry, and you know they're among the worst in, in passing defense, completion percentage, quarterback rating, all those things. Um, and so, so much is on that secondary. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk to some of those guys, including Carlton Davis. We'll see what his attitude is after giving up three touchdown passes the other night in the second half. So um, it's it's really a critical time for the Bucks. who have lost four in a row trying to break that streak out there on Sunday at Raymond James. All right, we'll get to your mailbag questions, and not unexpectedly, boy, a lot about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and they're they're a little toasty, as you <laughs> might expect. I've I've held off from from answering them online because we got a bunch in, on Twitter and emails, and this is why because we do this on Sports Day Tampa Bay, and it just seems easier to talk than than to write all these answers back. But we'll get to those in just a second. Um, first, I want to tell you guys that for the past fourteen years. You know the skilled pros of May Electric Solar. They've been installing solar energy systems all over Florida. Now they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service, and they also help owners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Well, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors. They always have offered the safest and the most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year, no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Now, Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. And there is no blanket insurance policy uh, with this. This is not what it is. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and History of Workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, lots of questions, plenty about the bucks. Let's get started. All right, I'm going to start with, uh, and you, we got 
jeez, uh, more than a handful in this one. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'll just ask you. A lot of people criticizing you and others for not asking about why they took the, the timeout with uh, 45 seconds to go instead of taking a 10-second runoff. Right. I know you guys did ask Coach Bowl, so I'll let you explain mm-hmm. their thinking. We've discussed it on this podcast why he was yeah. wrong. And, of course, yeah. in hindsight, but at the time I thought he was wrong as well. Yeah, and it's easy to say that, especially when you lose a game, uh, you know, inside of 10 seconds, and you think about that 10-second runoff. Had they just allowed that to occur, then, you know, just from a clock management standpoint, the math says that they wouldn't have had time to score a touchdown. We don't know that um, because if you give them less time, you know, who, who's to say, right? But the biggest factor was this, that Todd Bowles understood um, – that he needed a touchdown and they were certainly in, in touchdown range and they wound up scoring on the next play. But there had, if you recall, like that drive was not the simplest of drives, right? Mm-hmm. They had a fumble that Mike Evans saved the day by jumping on top of after the, the completion to, to Trey Palmer. Um, they had penalties on that drive that they had to overcome and convert on fourth down. So what he's thinking is, you know, it, it sounds good. We, we have enough, time right to for one or two plays however what if there's something else right what what if Mm -hmm. there's a penalty that sets you back um something that happens that um you know that 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 you know takes more than just a play or two because you don't know i mean the goal at that point is to score a touchdown it's not a given you're going to score a touchdown Mm -hmm. they've been down there many other times and didn't get in the end zone okay and so will it take you one down, two downs, three downs? How do you know? Um, and I understand that approach, not the least of which is, let's be honest now, you're not expecting your defense to give up a 75-yard drive uh, with a couple of timeouts and under a minute to go. Like, that's not – you don't bake that into the cake. Not, maybe know? they should because they've done it quite frequently. <laughs> well, now, yeah. Perhaps you should just take a knee and then try to make it on one play. I don't know, but um, – but it, it's not you're you're already putting the Texans in a in a very difficult position, right? And and so but but none of it matters unless you get into the end zone. So his thinking was, hey, you know, I think we can score in the next couple plays, and I think, you know, there's probably enough time on the clock, but let's not because let's play it the other way. Let's let's say that you say, oh, we want to keep the timeout, take the 10-second runoff. Well, you do have a timeout, so you can't stop the clock. But what if something happens, and then the clock runs out, and you go, everybody goes, well, geez, how stupid was that, right? Like, you had a chance to, you know, you could play it any way I, you want I want to. that timeout in my back pocket, whether it's a sack or... You know, I mean, yeah, you get, something you get, you happens. Get sacked, you it's going to take more than ten seconds to run that before you're set up again. I agree. You know, I, I and and quite frankly, you were in the what? Well, you were inside the ten yard line. Inside at that the point. ten, yeah. So you're you're basically taking shots at the end zone anyway. You didn't need forty six seconds for that. You weren't going to run the ball there, particularly. What you if just you, burn, get you a just penalty. burned your last time out? You weren't going to run if, the ball. What if you get a penalty or two? Mm-hmm. You know, and and it and, and now you're further back, and it may take you more plays to well, get in the but, end zone. Well, but much like you can't you can't bake in the mix that you're going to go the your defense is going to go up seventy five yards in forty six seconds, right? I mean, you can't play scared for the the penalty. 
you've got to you've got to go for the win. I think he was going for the well, one. I think he was trying to give himself every chance to get in the end zone. You don't win unless you score a touchdown there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and so I think his – well, in fact, what he said was his thinking was we had to maximize as much time as we could possibly need to get in the end zone. That was my first priority. It wasn't, hey, can we can we manage this so that we score with they have no time left on the clock. I, I agree with that. But, but you were at what, the eight-yard line or something like that. Like you weren't yeah. running the ball there. Like so, it was going to be five, four passes into the end zone. What if you get a sack? Well, that's why I want the timeout in my back pocket. Uh, give me the ten second runoff. Let it be thirty whatever seconds. And, and, what if you get sacked twice? Well, then game's over. <laughs> well, I that's mean, what he's trying to avoid. Well, but 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 <laughs> I mean, you know, he what he did is burn the timeout. So he had forty six seconds. You get sacked twice. The game's over. Then two anyway. I mean, well. I, I, mean, I did. I at the time, I'll be honest with you. At the time, I didn't understand what they were doing. <laughs> I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, well, it, it would seem to me that you'd want to preserve the timeout, but you know. And also, I think that the referees kind of screwed it up too. Um, when they stopped the clock, what they should have reset it to, mm-hmm. like all those things. Um, but regardless. You know, you know what always puzzles me about football coaches and teams. Yeah, and, and granted, it may not be true all the time, but it sure looks like as they're doing reviews, the coaches and, and everybody's just kind of watching the video board, waiting for the decision, and then deciding what to do. Yeah. Instead of okay, if the call's upheld, we're running this play. What are we if doing? If not, we're yeah. doing this, so that as soon as the ball's ready, we can go. Like it's not even a thought. Like. But it seems like, and maybe I'm overgeneralizing. I don't know that that it, was it the sure, case. But. It sure seems like, in general, in football, that it's like, okay, now we know, okay, the call was upheld. Okay, now what are we going to call? It's like, why wouldn't you be ready with it? Like, there's, it's one of two scenarios. It's either, you know, you it's going to be here or it's going to be yeah. there. Like, yeah. you know, call two play. I mean, they call two plays in a hurry up offense. Why can't they you call? do call? I think they call two plays. I mean, I yeah. All that stuff I think they do in the two-minute situation, end-of-game situation. I think you have that already set. You know what your formation's going to be. You know what you're running out of so everybody can get lined up quickly. Um, I think that's done. But, mm-hmm. listen, part of what hurts Todd Bowles in these situations is he's not been great at it in his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I this is a fair question that I don't know that we've asked, and that is who is helping you, you know? Like there, I've known coaches that have had guys on the staff mm-hmm. whose sole purpose was clock management. Yep. And you know, especially when you're also the defensive play caller, you know, sometimes you're the, you know, you're the guy on the other side of the ball too, and you're worried about, you know, stopping somebody's offense, and you're also the head coach, and so you're also the guy that has to call timeout, um, all that stuff. So, you know, it's a staff thing to me. I don't think Bulls has a great reputation. We remember. You know, the Cleveland Browns game with Tom Brady and, and how they screwed that up when they had one play. <laughs> and, and you know, somehow, <laughs> you know, you could have run, run that clock. I mean, there's only one play left, right? Uh, you either score a touchdown and the game is over um, or, you don't, or you don't hit the fourth down pass and it doesn't matter, right? So run the clock down. Uh, instead, you know, that, that, that went awry. So he's been on the wrong side of this, which, which makes almost every decision – the you know highlighted and I I don't know that it's indefensible. I'll just say this: I don't think this is one of those where you go, oh that idiot. Because you know the other part of it is is that 
again, hindsight being twenty twenty, yeah, you ten seconds is a lot of time when you only have when you score in forty. But they scored in forty seconds. Okay, and again, who's to say that you know somehow Houston doesn't speed it up a little bit if they have to if they have if they have mm-hmm. ten less? I just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was so bad on both sides, especially on defense, to allow that drive. That I don't, I don't think that Todd Bowles in any way in his mind thought that this was possible. That they would even though they had a couple timeouts, that they would go down the field. Now, maybe he should have thought that because they gave up so many yards already. Um, but I really do think that, you know, he thought, as Baker Mayfield did, clearly, the way they were celebrating on the sideline, that this game just ended. We just scored the touchdown. We needed We're going to get out of here with our lives. Um, as good as that rookie played, we're not going to let him go down and score a touchdown. That's also sort of the defensive mindset of head coaches. Like an offensive head coach may have said, I don't trust my defense, and I'm going to score on the last play, right? I've seen John Gruden and others do that all the time. I think I think defensive coaches always want the game to end. You know, Well, you always want to just run the clock out, but they have full confidence that they're going to make the stop, You know, especially with just seconds left if teams got to go the length of the field. They never, it never very rarely crosses their minds that they can't get off the field in that situation. So I think that's also part of it. Um, you'd have to get into Todd Bowles' mind, but we did ask the question, and his answer was as I expected, which was we were going to make sure we had as much time as possible to score the touchdown because that was our focus and should have been. You can agree to disagree, but that, that was his mindset. Well, Michael had asked then, is Todd Bowles on the hot seat? Yeah, I think so. Um and and you know, I think you could argue that his seat was probably warmer than was being alleged when he when he started this season for a couple reasons. Um you know, one is even though they won the division um and they could have beaten Atlanta if they'd have played everybody in the final game. They were 8 and 9 and then got absolutely shellacked in the uh, postseason game, the wild card game against Dallas. So eight and 10, right? Doesn't sound great, but you know, does, does nine and nine, does nine and 10 sound better? I, I don't know. Um, there is still a banner there. They still won the division, but there was, a, there's sort of an asterisk to it, right? Asterisk to it, right? It's kind of like, and, but then there was also this, yeah, but it wasn't his staff and yeah, but he got the, the job on March 30th and yeah. Okay. Um, but then they let, the man hire and fire a bunch of assistant coaches and said, okay, you don't like this offense coordinator? Go find one. All right, you like Dave Canales, okay. Oh, you want this quarterback's coach? Oh, you want that? And and so he did that. And, you know, when you give a head coach, which they should have, uh, you know, the ability to go out and hire and fire and get the right guys that he wants, you know, the expectations obviously rise. Now, I think everybody in that building understood this, we're coming off three years of Tom Brady and a ton of tap uh, of, of uh, dead cap money and all of that, and we can't sign free agents. And you know we're fifty six million over the cap. We're going to lose players. We don't have a quarterback. Like that's not insignificant. We had Kyle Trask. Still don't know what he is, and what we think he is isn't very good. Because you would not be going after a Baker Mayfield if you had confidence in in the kid that had been here for two years with you. You've seen him in practice every day for two years. 
and yet they still needed to, someone to compete with him, and it was Baker, and Baker won the job. Um, so having said all that, this was uh, this is not the Kansas City Chiefs, and yet there's there's a reasonable expectation that they can compete in this division, right? Because it's not a great division. Um, and I think that at minimum, that's what the Glazers and others expected, and Todd expected that as well. So when you, even though nothing's perfect, and it's a first-time play caller and, and a quarterback in his fourth team in 15 months and all of that, yeah, when you get out to a 3 and one start, you've created your own expectations now. And to lose four in a row, and in this division, which I still don't think is a good division, even though maybe New Orleans wins 10 or 11 games now, um, cause they're five and four. If you just absolutely bottom out cause you've lost four in a row and it becomes seven in a row or nine out of 10 or 10, you know, yeah, uh-huh. You're definitely on the hot seat and you're there now because games like the one on Sunday owners remember, they remembered the lovey. And it's the only thing I can compare it to is lovey Smith called the defense too, you know, uh, his final year. And they went up to Washington and had a huge lead and couldn't stop a simple slant pass. And that was the you like it game, you know, that everybody remembers with Kirk Cousins. And that stuck in those owners' minds because when Jason Light sat down with the owners after that season, and it was still, I, I got the call at 10 45, 11 o'clock at night, 11 15 at night. I was stunned. Nelson Luis called me, the PR guy. And said, "Hey Rick, I just want to let you know we're uh, we're going to make a change, and and Lovey Smith has been relieved of his duties." And I had I was asleep at the time, which was rare that early, and I had to shake my head and go, "Can you repeat that?" I literally said, "Can can you repeat that for me, please?" But in retrospect, Lovey took control of the defense, and the defense was a big problem, as was the record. And so they just decided, you know what? This guy's not taking us to a Super Bowl. Let's make a change now. This game, the fact that he calls the defense, uh, if it winds up, you know, snowballing as it is right now, and they don't win enough games, yeah, I think, first of all, every coach is on a seat, is on a hot seat to some extent because you're hired to be fired. I mean, who's got a job for life? This is not a Supreme Court appointment. But even with the limited expectations, even with the dead cap money, even with, you know, all of that, uh, the Glazers have a standard and they want to win. Um, they understand that this is not the Tom Brady, you know, Super Bowl team of, of three, three, four years, three years ago. But that doesn't, that, you know, their business is winning and business has been good. And when you start losing games like this, business goes bad really fast. So it's bad for business. You know, it might be good for your draft pick and for the next guy. But yeah, absolutely Todd Bowles is on the hot seat. You can go to Las Vegas and see the odds. Uh, and I think, like I said, any coach who starts to lose, Arthur Smith is on the hot seat. This whole division is very interesting. I don't know what will happen in New Orleans, but you could have three new coaches next year in the NFC South. Some people are predicting maybe even four, just depending on how things shake out. So... Lovey Smith probably is near the top of that list in this division, unless, because there's still plenty of season left, he's able to turn it around, stop this streak, win the games that they have a chance to win, maybe lose against Jacksonville and San Francisco, um, and, you know, 
take the NFC South with a nine or, you know, probably a nine win season. I don't know that they can do that, but he's absolutely on the hot seat. All right, Jeffrey sent a note and it says, Rick, it's early, but based on you being around these players, especially Mike Evans, one, do you feel they've lost confidence in Todd Bowles, therefore have no enthusiasm to go out and play 100%? And two, do you think Evans will stay, want to stay or go to a contender to try to win another Super Bowl? Well, I think his first, I'll take that one first. I think Mike Evans' first goal is to finish his career here. Um, and I think that's why it became very emotional and personal to him at the start of, of the season when he, when he and his agent gave the ultimatum, you know, like after the eve of the first game in Minnesota, we're not talking contract anymore. You have until that day to sign me to an extension. It didn't happen. Uh, I've said this, that it doesn't mean that him or any other player, including Devin White, won't be back next year. Uh, there is still a period at the end of this season until the middle of March when the new league year begins where they can only exclusively talk to their team, their the Buccaneers. And there's also time, even after free agency begins, although less likely they would return, that they could go out there and say, the Bucks say, oh, your market value is $20 million a year or 15, 17 or $18 million a year. And Mike goes out and somebody says, I'm going to pay you 25. Then he's proven to the Bucks that that number is 25. And then he doesn't have to shop it with them and come back to them and say anything. But the, the, in other words, there's, it, it's not an absolute that Mike Evans is gone. Um, so I, I still would hold out hope. And he's on a pace for about a 1,200 yard season. You know, Mike likes a lot of things about Tampa. Tampa's very special to him. This team drafted him. Um, you know, he wasn't a polished receiver. He's a great talent. Probably the reason why Johnny Manziel won the Heisman for sure. But he's been through some ups and downs and, you know, he won a championship here. He's embedded in the community. I think he likes, he likes it here. But then, you know, the, the, there's always going to be teams that would love to have a Mike Evans. I was sitting there in Houston the other day thinking, because I expected Mike to have a big game. I said it on the radio. Uh, and I think he would have had an even bigger game. But, he, you know, at the end, he, he made some huge plays. Um, but, you know, he was 50 miles from his hometown of Galveston when he went to Houston. And he had a whole bunch of people there. And he came walking in in a Houston Astros jersey, which probably didn't throw the Rays. But, hey, he's a, he's a, he's a Texas kid. Um, and so... When he was there, I thought about, okay, if you're Mike Evans and you're a free agent, I don't know exactly what the Texan situation is. They've got some young receivers, though, dynamic young receivers, good players. But you've got C.J. Stroud. What would it be like for Mike Evans after this year to go home, right, and play in his, near his hometown and play with a, a rising star quarterback like that? right, as D'Amico Ryans continues to get the defense better in that division, which is a winnable division, like that that might have a certain appeal. Now, it's going to come down to money. I don't care what you say. Money is what's going to ultimately decide it. But, you know, you just have to be careful if you're Mike Evans, as, as my good friend Tom Moore says. I think Chuck Nolke was the one that came up with it. He's like, you know what? Sometimes the grass is always greener around the septic tank. <laughs> So you got to be careful when when you when you trade teams, um, but I do think that there's a chance for him to come back. And I don't think you know the other thing that that word 
um, what did he say, is enthusiasm. People say this all the time. Oh, they don't play like they have any, you know, they're not motivated. They're not enthused by, by Todd Bowles. I've always struggled with this, but I guess it's true to some degree. I don't know why, that for three hours on Sunday, you lay your body and sometimes your life on the line, right, to go out there and play one of the most violent, brutal sports there is. And you've been doing this since you, you know, playing this sport since you're eight or 10 years old. Do you really need a guy on a headset to motivate you for three hours on Sunday? I mean, game plans, yes, you need that. You need them to put you in position to win. You need, you need certain things from that head coach. But motivation, enthusiasm? I mean, I know Mike Evans, and he's one of the most competitive humans I've, athletes I've been around. He wants to win every rep. I see him in practice like he goes during games. He does that to his players in practice. And I don't know that there's a more competitive player on this roster. But I'll tell you what, enthusiasm is not his issue. Nor should it be the issue of any player that makes it to the National Football League. You know, Now, are some more up in it than others or demonstrative? Sure. But I don't know, is, is it the coach's job to get you enthused? I get you prepared, yes. And, and sometimes people confuse preparation for enthusiasm. But mm-hmm. enthused? Man, if you're not enthused, if you're not ready to play. Because yeah, players are playing all, for a contract. Huh? And he's playing. Yeah, it's a great I mean, point, Steve. Not, not just him, but any all the players. I mean, They all are. They're know, playing for their livelihood. Even yeah. if you've lost confidence in Todd Bowles, which is kind of a separate question that was in there. Right, right. But even if you've lost confidence, you're playing for the next coach or the next team that's looking great at you. Great point. You know, great point. You always talk about, you know, teams should tank and, you know, go for dra- players. Don't organizations can do that. General, general managers can't coaches can. We've seen it with no. Lovey Smith. Players do not tank because they're playing for their next contract. They're playing just to stay in the league. Yeah. You and know, if, now, you, if you've got a new coaching staff, you know what the first thing I've been told this and I think it's true. So if I'm a new coach and I come in and I want to see what this, what my team, what am I getting here? What, what are, what are the, what are my players all about? Let's take a closer look at the team I've just been hired to coach, and I turn on the film. What am I watching? You know what I'm watching? The last game, and the game before that. I'm not watching when they were relevant and into it and and everything. The three and one start. I want to see which guy is making business decisions. In week 17, 18, right? Because if that dude ain't playing hard, I don't want him. You know, if he's one of those, hey, the season's over, I'm into, I'm into you know, preservation mode, that's not who I want to go to battle with. So they'll, you're right, that tape is your resume. You got nothing else, man. So, so you, better, you better put it on tape because if the tape's bad, nobody's going to want you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right. Less of that. Serious question. Is Dave Canales better than Byron Leftwich? 
Um, no. Now, when I say no, it sounds like a hard no. And maybe it is. Um, it's very difficult for me on the Byron Leftwich thing uh, because you can't discount what, if we're going to say that you are what your record says you are, okay? And that's what we say in football. Well, I don't care whether he's a good guy, bad coach. You are what your record says you are, right? Byron Leftwich is a world champion. Now, he had Tom Brady, and he had Gronk, and he had a focused and motivated Antonio Brown. We can go on and on, right? Good offensive line. But let's go back to he had Tom Brady. He also had Jameis Winston for one year. And he couldn't stop Jameis from throwing the ball to the other team. And that cost Jameis his career in Tampa. But he did throw for 5,000 yards. And he did throw 33 touchdown passes. And he did throw for 462 and 460 something back to back. And that team was 7 and 7 with only one season in that offense. One. What would, he, what would he have been like with two or three? Okay. So now the problem Byron always faced was twofold. If they were successful, it was Bruce Arians' offense, right? Initially, like he's running Bruce's offense and Bruce didn't game plan. People don't understand this. Like it was Byron, the game planning. Did Bruce know what was on this? Did he suggest things? Was he in some of the meetings? Yeah, but he didn't game plan. In the in the traditional sense, he let Byron do everything on offense. Now, when Tom got there, it was Byron and Tom. Now, the other thing, okay, so they win a Super Bowl, or they go to the playoffs and win a division. Who's getting the credit then? Tom Brady. Byron could never stand out for Byron's sake, like he should have, and I think that's wrong, and it's probably cost him. Um. But but Dave Canales, right now, today, is he better? No. He's different, and maybe that offense wouldn't work. It was starting to get antiquated, and, and B.A.'s had it a long time, and he knew how to tweak it and make it go, and he didn't help out the last year um, under Todd Bowles at all with doing that. He wasn't on the headset. So, but but what has Dave Canales, what has he won? Where's his 5,000-yard passer? Where's his playoff win or Super Bowl ring? You know what I mean? And maybe that's unfair because he's got Baker Mayfield and the other guy had, well, you know what? No one cares. Um, And Dave may prove to be a better coach. And Byron Leftwich has no job. So it's not like they were beating down the door for Byron Leftwich. But I think he was hurt by perception. I think he was much better than people gave him credit for. And if we're going to say you are what your record is, well, the record says he's a pretty damn good offensive coordinator. Uh, it also says he had Tom Brady. But what do we say about Belichick? Pretty good coach, right? Greatest of all time? Winning had Tom Brady. What's his record without him? In Cleveland, in New England. So, you know, to me, it all is all the same. Now, Dave Canales is not coaching with, with Tom Brady. He'd look a lot better if he did. Um... But I think Canales, you know, a few games into it, he's three and five. That's Dave Canales' record. 
And Byron Leftwich's was much better. So I, I'm not ready to hand the mantle to Dave Canales yet. You know who thought he was better? Todd Bowles. Jason Light. They thought he was better. We'll see. You know, it's still awfully early. John emailed us. He says, I noticed something this year, and I wanted to ask your take on it. Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask are never seen together on the sideline when the opposing team has the ball. Mayfield is never on the bench sitting next to him or conversing with Trask. Do they have any sort of relationship together, or do they not get along? In years past, you've always had the starting quarterback on the bench talking to the number two and the quarterback coach. Brady was always on the bench sitting next to and talking to Blaine Gabbert and going over things. Is there anything to this, or do you think I might be wrong in my observations? I don't think your observations are wrong. I don't see him next to him a ton. Um, I've asked that question a little bit, and I would say this. Each guy in that room has his own assignment, right, during the week on game day. A lot of times, you know, when you're breaking down film of the of the team you're about to play, um, one guy might look at the last two games. One guy might look at the last two games of last year. Um and one guy, one guy might do third downs. One guy might do, you know, first and what goal. I don't know. So they each kind of have their own input in terms of preparation, right? And then the coaches build the game plan from that and all of that. So as a room, you're a quarterback position, right? You're worried about from the quarterback position, how do we attack this offense? And, of course, the starter's Baker, so you're going to tailor things around what Baker does the best. But it's still the Bucks offense. It's still Dave Canales. And so if Baker goes down on play one, Kyle Trask has to know the game plan. John Wolford has to know the game plan. So they're all in it together, okay, if that makes sense. Like, even though you know Baker's starting, that may last a play. So you better be prepared to do your job. So you're all preparing as if you have to start because if you're not ready and, and your number's called, it, you may only get that one shot and then your career is done. Right, or you'll be fighting to make a roster next year. So they're all preparing to play. Now, Wolford, you have to understand, is an older player. He's 28, 29 years old, I think, 28 years old. And he has been in a system similar to this with the Rams. Okay. And he brings a lot more experience in this system. He, you know, he's, Bayfield has, you know, it, it called him the other day. He goes, hey, he's wicked smart. So, he has it, a lot of answers, right, for this offense. It's still new to Kyle Trask, and Kyle Trask has not played. You know, he's only been been in two games, and one of them was a throwaway game, you know, against Atlanta, a mop-up deal. And he was like, didn't play extremely well in that one. So who is going to counsel Baker Mayfield more? Who has more to, to offer him? John Wolford or Kyle Trask. And I don't know, you know, I've talked to Wolford and, and he's the scout squad quarterback. And that means that during practice, he's doing the look squad for the defense. He's, he's being the quarterback, you know, like this week he'll be Will Levis, right? And Trask is taking very few reps, but he, when he does, he's quarterback in the Bucks offense. Um, I've noticed that, but you can't compare Blaine Gabbert, who had played as a starter in this league for five, six years, was a first-round draft pick, for God's sakes, was 10 years younger than Tom Brady, but not 20 years younger like Kyle Trask. So in that instance, Brady trusted Gabbert because he knew he had been in the fire. He had been in the arena. 
And so Gabbard and him could, you know, converse on a different level than what Kyle, Kyle was a sponge. He was trying to learn. Gabbert was able to impart things that he saw because he'd been in the, he'd been in the field. He'd been on, you know, he, he saw the game that way. Um, different relationship. I don't, I know a lot of people look at it and go, well, I don't know. You know, what's he doing? I can't really speak to that because I don't know. I, it is interesting, but as far as their relationship goes, they get along fine. There's mutual respect. Uh, they competed hard. They both have said that they, um, root for each other. And, and that's one thing Baker's learned over this journey of his is that, Hey, I got to be a good teammate. You know, like if, even if I'm not playing, it does, it doesn't do the organization or me any good to, you know, to sulk and put my head in the, uh, you know, in the sand and all that. So he's tried to do that and he had to do it in Carolina when he got hurt and then benched. Um, so he's been on that side of it. Uh, so no, I don't think there's any bad blood or animosity. I simply think that Wolford probably has more to offer Bake. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, I don't know, you know, ba- Baker's talking to Dave Canales. Like Baker, you know, is going to the guy who's actually calling the offense that's right there on the sideline. Um, and, and Tom went to Byron Lefwich and they sat together a lot and looked at those iPads that he broke. So everybody works different. I, I wouldn't assign animosity between the two of them or some kind of acrimony just because they're not sitting together the way Gabbert and Brady did because those are two different players. All right, great questions. We went a little long with the responses. We've got plenty more. We'll add some of those tomorrow. Uh, It's going to be a great day because we're talking college football with Matt Baker, one of my favorite days of the week. What is wrong with the Florida Gators? FSU, the polls came out. They are fourth in the national championship uh, race right now, currently. Of course, that can change. Ohio State is number one, I believe, which was interesting. So we'll talk all about that. College football with Matt Baker tomorrow and more of your mailback questions. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.